karibuni sana. We still have enough time to do our sermon today. And I trust that God is going to minister to us. Ndwati has started the conversation already. And uh, for the sake of the visitors, I'll introduce myself. And my name, my full name is Judy Nzeri Geshoro. Um, yeah, and um, I, I'm thanking God always for this opportunity to serve him in this platform, in this family called the Nairobi Chapel. I, I don't know whether I've ever told this congregation that God actually called me into ministry when I was very young, when I was still in high school. And from high school, I went straight to Bible school. It was so clear. My family affirmed it. And, and I thank God for, you know, just clarity of calling. I love what I do. Seasons do change, but I really, I truly do love what I do. And so today we are starting a sermon series that we have dubbed the Jesus Culture. Uh, we all know that every place has a culture. Uh, your home has a culture. Our church here as Nairobi Chapel, Lovington, we have a culture. So after the service, we serve boiled maize. You don't find that everywhere. So every, every church has a tradition, and um, traditions are good. The same way every family and every space has its own rules and regulations. Um, there's a place for that. And so today we just want to talk about the Jesus culture because it keeps us aligned to the things that matter. Because again, in the name of culture and tradition, sometimes we go off and we start, we continue doing things that we've never answered the question, why do I do what I do? So you'll find yourself, just like one of us have said, that's what I found doing. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But um, in this conversation for this month, we are going to be addressing things that are traditions that actually cause the word of God to have no effect. So there's nothing wrong in having a tradition or a way of doing things. But should we ever get to a place and we find that that tradition is coming in the way of God and his work taking root in our lives, then there's a place for asking, why do we do what we do? And so we'll be talking about the Jesus culture because that's what brings us back to scripture and keeps us aligned. So um, you'll, you'll hear the text that we are going to read today talk about the traditions of men. And I want you to understand where they, that came from. When the children of Israel were sent to Babylon as exiles, a time came, they were supposed to be there for 70 years, and they needed to go back to their land. And so God used different prophets during that time. And one of the prophets that God used was prophet Israel. And uh, around 4th or 5th century, um, this was the time where we now had the scribes. Uh, Ezra changed, uh, the scribes that we had during that time of Israel changed from just being called zealots, which meant people who were copying everything that scripture said, and they started being addressed as scribes. And so the children of Israel were coming back from Ezra, Ezra exile, and so Ezra wanted to teach them the word of God, which they were not hearing while they were in exile. That's why people like Daniel and his three friends really stood out in Babylon because they had been introduced to faith, the faith of their God, so that even when they found themselves in Babylon, they were able to stand for their faith. But many other people gave into the culture of the Babylonians. And so Ezra was committed to helping those who came back from exile to understand the word of God because they really never um, interacted with scripture while they were there. And you will see this quoted in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. So after the time of Israel, the scribes were known as experts in the law. 
but they ended up adding some laws. These same scribes ended up adding some laws. And history says that they added more than 600 laws to the law of Moses. So they ended up introducing so many things in the name of the law. So by the time Jesus came on the scene, a lot of laws had been passed through oral tradition. So they were not necessarily referring to the tablets and the laws that Moses passed on to the people. But this time, there was a lot of laws that, and that had been passed on orally. And so there was oral tradition and they were being passed on from one generation to another. And now these were being referred to as the traditions of the elders. And that's what we are going to be talking about today. In the year 2014, I visited a university in the US that had a big billboard with a big question mark in the middle. And at the bottom, it said, question the answer. That billboard stuck with me because it told me that in that environment, the students were allowed to push back. They were allowed to express doubt. And they were allowed to get into conversations where they agree to disagree and so on. So when I went to Bible school, our lecturers would also tell us that any answer you give on your term paper is correct as long as you support it with scripture. And so one of the things Bible schools do, the, just like with most universities, they start with the courses that have the information you need to do the rest of your studies. So if you need to know how to write a research paper, they start with a research class. And so one of the classes they begin with in a Bible school is the scripture interpretation class. Because scripture then is a tool, it's everything you need to handle every other topic that is ahead of you. So they told us, your answer is correct as long as you can support it with scripture. But then they taught us how to interpret scripture the right way so that we were not heretical. Uh, this month we are going to begin a new series, like I've said, the Jesus Culture. And since last year, many things across the world have been redefined. And the church has not been left behind. So the online church is now a new thing that uh, many church leaders are trying to figure out. Um, you know, one of the things with the online church, you have viewers, you have, you know, you're told so many gadgets who are watching at this time. I'm like, who are these gadgets? So a lot of church leaders are really trying to figure out this thing called the online church that has emerged out of the COVID-19 pandemic. We both, uh, we have both the interactive online church. I say interactive because sometimes people will, will meet on a Zoom call and pray. So there's a side of church that we know is working very well for us because it has re retained the interactiveness that we need in a church because we all know that fellowship is a spiritual discipline. But on the other hand, uh, we also have the non-interactive online church where people watch a service and that's it. As a result of this new way of doing church, we now have something we are calling the hybrid church because, and it has challenged the church models that we knew before the COVID-19 pandemic. So with all these changes, it is easy for the church to get caught up in reviewing the models of the old versus what we have now and miss out on the thing that God is doing in the global church in the midst of this pandemic. I guess all of us are trying to answer this question in our own context. Wherever it is you are, whatever sector of society you're in, this is not a conversation that none of us is not having because we, we are all trying to figure out what has changed, what will the future look like. 
And so many of us have always known church as a Sunday thing. And as a result, many people have limited church to a day called Sunday and to a Sunday program that begins with praise and worship and then announcements and then a sermon followed by a benediction. That's a beautiful tradition that we must fight to keep because like I have told you, um, viewers, so many gadgets, you don't know who they are, you don't know them by name, uh, you don't know what they are going through, who is praying with them, what's going on. So there's that challenge. And so we know that a tradition we have known for the longest time, which unfortunately sometimes we limited to th that that's all church is, Sunday service, but we know it's a good tradition that has been challenged in this season. Um, and so today we want to just go through scripture and see things like those that Jesus addressed. And throughout this month, we will seek to answer some of these questions and even to just ask one another, what, what do we think the future of the church will look like? Particularly for those who have chosen in this season to remain online. We know that COVID is still with us, but we have not remained online on many other things. So our kids go to school, we go to the supermarket. So have you taken time to think about what being online for you where the church is concerned means for you? And most importantly for your children, because it's easy to figure ourselves out with a sermon online from different places. But what are we, what, what will this challenge that is pushing back the tradition of Sunday that we had going to do to the future church? We don't want to ever get to a place where, like the place in the book of, um, of Kings where the Bible says there arose a generation that did not know anything about their God, the God of their fathers or their forefathers. This COVID-19 challenge has presented something that if we don't answer the question of what the future of the church looks like, we might end up with a generation one day who had parents who were privileged to attend BSF or many other things that we can do online, but they forgot that we had the responsibility of passing on certain traditions as long as there are traditions that are getting people and or the, our children to where God wants us to be. So I want us to read Mark chapter 7, verse 1 to 23. And this is what the Bible says, Mark chapter 7, verse 1 to 23. Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him having come from Jerusalem. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, uh, with, with hands that were defiled, that is with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. He said to them, all too well, you rejected the commandment of God and that you may keep your tradition. 
For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is koban, meaning that it is a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother. Making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down and many such things you do. When he called all the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear me everyone and understand. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, not even COVID-19. It shouldn't defile the church, it shouldn't defile anything. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man, the choices that we make in our hearts. So if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. When he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and it is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, what comes out of a man that defiles a man? For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, and you can add to that list. And all these evil things come from within and they defile a man. So in today's passage, Jesus once again steps into some favorite traditions that the scribes had, and I've told you where they got them from. And the issue at hand here is, the Pharisees were complaining that the disciples of Jesus were eating without washing their hands. They were concerned because Jesus was not reinforcing the law that people are supposed to wash their hands, and now these ones are just eating. So they were focused on outward appearance that was very important to them, that you have to do things a certain way, and Jesus did not reinforce that. But on the other hand, Jesus used a very tough you know, language. He called them hypocrites. The first thing when he opened his mouth in this context, Jesus called them hypocrites. And he quoted for them what the, the prophet Isaiah had said before, that this is vain worship, that you, you, you say things with your lips, but your heart is not there. So Jesus took this very seriously. And so he was concerned that they were corrupting the law of Moses by spiritualizing their traditions, which we are calling the traditions of elders, and he, they were exalting them above the word of God. And so he gives them an example of, didn't Moses say that you are to honor your father and mother? And so these people would go to their parents, just like many of us do in our culture, and you know they would commit to give a gift to their parents every so often. But now the scribes and the Pharisees had corrupted that good tradition and law, and they were coming and telling them, as long as you bring that money to the temple, you are fine. It is like a gift to God, which scripture calls Coban. It's as good as you have given it to the Lord. And so they were now teaching them to dishonor their parents, but they were spiritualizing that conversation because as long as you are doing it in the temple, then it's fine, whatever happens to your parents. Like he's telling them, if you dishonor your parents, it's fine. And so Jesus gave that example and he said, 
they were interfering with the law that Moses had given them. And he specifically told the people, you shall honor your father and mother. And so if you read from the message version, when Jesus calls them uh, hypocrites, in the message version, it says frauds. And in the New King James Version, it says hypocrites. I don't know what your version says, but this was, it shows how, how Jesus was unhappy with their thinking and with how they were pointing fingers at those who are trying to do the right thing just because they were not aligned to the traditions of men. And so he goes ahead to quote, uh, that is in verse 6 and 7, that these people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of, pen, of men. In NIV, it says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. So Jesus calls out their misplaced worship, which was founded in the opinions of men. He calls their worship vain worship. And he gave them the example that I've just talked about of, the, of honoring the fathers and mothers. You know, the church today has a list of many traditions. Some of these traditions do not interfere with the word of God taking root in our lives. And therefore, therefore there's nothing wrong with them because they are still serving a purpose in the body of Christ. However, it is still important that Christians understand the why behind the traditions that they see in their churches, because then they would appreciate the why much better. On the other hand, there are some traditions that we see in church that are causing the word of God to have no effect, just like we see in this text. Can you think of any tradition right now? Because we are going to give you an opportunity today and next Sunday to write some of those questions to us. Um, because the third Sunday of this, of, uh, the second Sunday of November, which will be the third installment of this series, we will have a panel and we'll engage with some of those questions because it's important we understand the why behind, why do we do what we do? Is it scriptural? So if you have any question like that, I'll request that you please bring it to me. Um, and next Sunday we'll give you a more structured way of doing that, but just give me those questions or send them to, to my number or to our church number and we'll be able to engage with them. So is there any, any tradition that is coming to mind as we have this question, uh, this conversation? Jesus did not take this tradition slightly. He responded to them in a harsh tone and he called them hypocrites and frauds. They were more concerned about the outward appearance. Therefore, Jesus got... Uh, got to his main point in verse 14 and 16 where he says, when he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear me everyone and understand. There's nothing that enters a man outside which can defile him, but the things that which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So in short, it's the same way we've been talking about that um, the COVID-19 pandemic did not shut down the church. It shut down the cathedrals. It's the spaces that were shut down. And so Jesus here is telling them it's not about, you know, whether they are washing their hands or not. It's, it's an issue of the heart. But when we use our own example of the COVID-19, uh, it's not the 
COVID-19 pandemic, the virus that is making us not to go into gatherings because we find other ways of doing that. So we found a way of doing church online. It has its own challenges. But the thing is, um, a crisis has a way of revealing, you know, who, uh, what we were made of. And so it's in this season where one of the challenges we have is the tradition of Sunday service has been affected by this pandemic. And this is a conversation we need to have as a church because this was a good tradition. But because of the crisis, it's easy that if the why behind this tradition was not clear for us, the pandemic and the crisis, even after it has resolved, might present a challenge in the future where we will lose a generation because it found us not very clear about why we were doing what we were doing. And so it gave us an excuse to do other things. I know there are people who are faithfully worshipping online and engaging with their groups, even beyond this church, elsewhere, where they have found ways to connect. But I will not lie to you, majority of the people have used this season as an excuse to not engage and it's just revealing what was there before the crisis. And so why it's important to have this conversation is it goes beyond the tradition of gathering on Sunday. Because we know whether we are gathering or not, we are not a church because of this one tradition. Because church has many traditions. We are a group of people, a force that is on a mission on this world that is more useful even Monday through Saturday where we are with our children and with our colleagues. And is the, is, the, is, the, um, is the point of the church being felt out there? We all know that during the COVID-19, we've said this over and over, when the, the, the crisis came up, the church was not considered an essential service. But other sectors and other people were. But we are an important, you know, we are an essential service in that you report somewhere every day and you are the church. And perhaps one of the things this season has done for us is that while Sunday was removed for us temporarily, it forced us to answer the question, who are we? Am I a church goer or am I a believer, a Christian and a disciple of Christ? And what am I doing as a disciple when I do not have and when I cannot access this space anymore? So even Jesus takes this time to tell them, you guys are discussing something that is on the surface and appears to be the problem. But the problem is actually something else. There is nothing that comes from outside can hurt you. Even if it does, it will be taken care of. But it's an issue of the heart because it reflected in their motives that you would ask people not to take their support to their parents so that they can bring it to you and you spiritualize it because now they are bringing it to the temple. It's fine. And so the COVID-19 um, crisis is just one of them, but there are many other things that happens in churches that God would not be happy with because you say these things are making the word of God to not take root in our lives. We see another example in Matthew chapter 23, and I want to read verse 1 to 15 and then verse 23 for us. Matthew chapter 23 verse 1 to 15 says, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. 
They make their um, phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the, the Christ, and you are brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses for a pretense, make long prayers, therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, that is a convert, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. The truth is, there are many people in this world and in this country who have used a pastor's card, you know, like the elders and the scribes that we see here, to confuse the people that they have been called to lead. And Jesus was calling that as well. Because these people would get somebody who is a convert and like verse 15 is saying, at the end of the day, they would be twice confused, making them um, a match of a son of hell as yourselves. There are many traditions sometimes we may want to keep even as church leaders. Now I'm talking generally as church leaders because of how it benefits us. You see, if these people... They were telling them, do not honor your father and mother. Bring that money to the temple because it was going to enrich them. But they spiritualized it and said, it's as good as giving it to, the go to God because you've brought it to the temple. In the meantime, they have caused that person to dishonor their father and mother. In this text that you see in Matthew chapter 23, it has so many different words. And Jesus constantly repeats the word hypocrites to them, telling them you're misleading people, constantly telling people this, and you know that's not what it's supposed to be. And we are living in a time where it's, unless we understand what the word of God says, we also have, um, you know, leadership in the church that could easily mislead the people. And what we are saying with this series, we need to understand the Jesus culture. What does the Bible say? So that while you engage wherever you find yourself, you know that you are aligned to scripture and that it, there's no, uh, you know, a, another motive behind why you are being asked to engage different ways. So Jesus used a very tough language and he was calling them hypocrites. And this week I had conversations with a few people and I asked them, how does these things play out in the church? And, you know, they said sometimes it's the culture of honor that the Bible talks about in Romans chapter 13 that has been so emphasized sometimes with, um, you know, with the ministers of the gospel. You, you know, so you, mom and dad, so you know you come and cook chapels in mom's house. You know, be, you, I, I don't know. I, I haven't asked anyone here to come and cook chapels in my house. But these are things that happen. There is mom and dad, and in, we, we, we dishonor that scripture that says that we should honor those in authority as long as that thing is working towards my benefit. And, you know, I felt even as we have this conversation, we should just take this opportunity to say whether I, I want to believe mostly knowingly 
there's something we have done as your church leaders that have caused the word of God to not take root and not to have effect, that we stand here today and say that we apologize. Because our commitment, just like this scripture is calling out, is to maintain the traditions that honor God and cause the word of God to take root in our lives. And our commitment is that if there's anything, even if it's not a bad thing, but it's derailing us from doing what God called us to do, that we would remove it because our commitment is to allow that the word of God would have effects in all your lives. So just because we're in the middle of a pandemic, when you hear us calling people and saying, let's go back to a place of fellowship, it's not because we want to count numbers on Sundays. It's not because we fear we are losing because our idea of growth as a church is individuals who are growing in their faith. They are growing in fellowship with other believers. They are growing in their understanding of God. And the truth is that many people are not yet in that place to remain online. And so we have a concern as church leadership that we would like to encourage if you're there and your e-group has been struggling and you haven't been meeting. You go to work and to the supermarket and to everywhere else. Let us not give up this tradition because it's a good tradition so that the word of God may continue to take root in our lives. But if you find there is something you are doing as a new group or for us as a church and we say this was just a tradition, we found people doing it, we don't even know why they do it, then we are willing to question the answer just like that Bible said, so that we can ensure that our energies, our resources, everything that we are about goes into honoring God's word and that God's word will take root in our lives. So there are so many things that have been done either because um, leadership of the church knew what they were doing, they had an agenda, or because they did not know. But this scripture is telling us we have constantly to ask what would Jesus have done in the midst of a pandemic like this, what would Jesus have done? How would he have had led a congregation if he had one? Because then when we learn what he would have done, that is what we do. Otherwise, that's another example that someone gave me. You know, that mom and dad, we abuse the scripture that talks about honor because we, are, we want to have mom and dads in church. We, we sometimes have have not taken time to teach some of these things. I remember sometime telling somebody to lead in the Holy Communion and they refused because they wondered, isn't that a pastor's job? That these conversations leads us to a place where we say, even in your own spaces, especially now where Sunday has not been what it has been, that you can gather your e-group together and observe the Lord's table together. Read that scripture, understand it, and remember why the Lord Jesus died for you. Is it... Is that power still available for you in a season of a pandemic, even when you cannot gather on a Sunday? And just go in deeper with that scripture and observe the Lord's table and doing that in remembrance of what God has done. Nothing stops you. You don't need the title pastor. You don't need to be working in church to do some of those things. And so this month, we just want to engage with some of those conversations. And so if you have a question of something you've never really understood, why do we do what we do? Um, is this a tradition we are holding on to? Or could there be another way of, you know, doing church in this season? Because Sunday is one way, and we're saying that's a good tradition that we want to keep. But for, for your e-group members, for your ministry teams, is there something you have observed and we need to engage with this week? This season, because we know that God has called us to remain true to our mission. So earlier on, we were asked the question, why do we do sing? We sing worship before the sermon. 
you know, that's a good tradition that we found. And just like karaoke here said, if it's working, you don't have to fix it. But if there's something we find, it's a tradition that we just do it to tick a box, then we are saying that is not the Jesus culture. And so I really hope that you will share some of your comments and your questions about this. Um, somebody else said that um, there are church leaders that have pressured single people to get married. And that goes against scripture because there's a part in scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that talks about the advantages of remaining single and that you have undivided devotion as you serve the Lord. And so if you come to this church or your pattern of an A-group and you have felt pressure from somebody from your A-group or someone in your life because they, they have communicated that you're not good enough until your status changes from single to something else. We want to apologize on their behalf and to say that you matter, you are important to God, that you have a contribution to make even when you're single because the Bible celebrates singlehood. Because sometimes we have brought also our home cultures and we have raised them. Those are other traditions of men against, above the word of God. Bible celebrates marriage and family, but it also celebrates singlehood. And so if for some reason you have been wounded by the church because that comment has been thrown your way so many times, we also want to take this opportunity to apologize for that. So there are many conversations. And what we are saying, let's go into this season, not just checking at where we are coming. And as we go further into this conversation this month to ask, this pandemic is challenging certain traditions that were good in the church. Is there another way of doing this? Or is there other way to just restore fellowship and ask people to come back into gatherings? And gatherings is not necessarily Sunday service. The small groups, the marriage enrichment groups, because the, the, you know, just because Sunday was shut down the cathedral doesn't mean your marriage has not faced challenges in that season. So we have to be very careful because the Bible says in Revelation 12 verse 12 that when the devil was thrown here on earth, he understood that his time was short and he is moving with fury. So some of us say in a crisis there is an opportunity, you know, with a root word from I think the Chinese language. The devil knows that as well. He knows that church has been destabilized a little bit from what it was. And while they try to figure it out, let's attack marriages. We've had a lot of people committing suicide in this season because we are created as relational beings. And that has been taken away by this pandemic. But are we doing our part to restore that fellowship and extend it beyond church walls to where we work, to encourage those things to happen where we work because we are people, the people that God has given those opportunities to lead that way. You know, one of the things that I believe one of the reasons some people are not coming to church is because they finally found a day of Sabbath. And there's some truth in that. They realized they were moving, moving, moving. And now they have a day where they can just rest. And I totally identify with that. And this makes me call out those who are organizational leaders because we have a responsibility to create healthy rhythms for our teams so that they live full, total lives, whole lives. 
you know, this is what I mean. Um, you know, we know that we are to deliver profits. And Jesus gave an example, and I'm going to read verse 23 of Matthew 23. We know we are to deliver profits in our workspaces. So by any means necessary, we go for it. But because we are believers and we are talking about Jesus' culture, we are to deliver both profits and healthy families. So if you're here and you're a CEO or you're in management and God has given you an opportunity to make decisions that affect those who work for you, what is happening in their lives on Sundays that they finally have found a place to breathe also comes from somewhere else that somebody has not given them a schedule that allows them to be human, to be a mother, to be a, to be, to be a wife, to be all these other things. And so what is not working right now appears like it's, we are saying that church has been compromised. But what, how this will show up 10 years from now or 15 years from now will affect those profits that we think we are protecting right now. This thing is all connected. And so if we are the believers who understand why we do what we do, we have to take this Jesus culture, understand it, but also take it to the marketplace. Because in verse 23 of this Matthew 23, Jesus tells them, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you pay the tithe of mint and, um, and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. This you ought to have done without leaving the other undone. So he says, we could be this Sunday people, we are getting Sunday right, we are tithing, but you are not exercising justice and mercy elsewhere. In how you make decisions and how you create structures at work, you are not doing that. And so at the end of the day, it doesn't matter that you're the biggest tither in your church. The Jesus still calls them hypocrites. And so this Jesus culture, the conversation may be more focused to the church, but Jesus says that if you obey one part of the law, you better obey the other. Obey all of it. And that's the only way we'll be able to see Jesus' culture. So there are two things that comes out of this text. That Jesus was concerned about them um, elevating the traditions of the elders above the word of God. But he was also concerned about their commit, uh, commitment to the, what they look like. You know, like... Your people are more concerned about you looking like a Christian than being a one. And I think we see that sometimes where, you know, because somebody is giving more money in the church, so they, they get preferential treatment when they have family events or other things. But the Bible says these things causes the word of God to have no effect that because of the title you hold in the position, it becomes hard for people to hold you accountable to certain things when you're doing things wrongly. You know, even though you're singing in the worship team and you're doing all these other things, it becomes hard for people to hold you accountable because of the title you carry out there. And Jesus calls out these things and he calls, says all this is hypocrisy. To the leaders who are allowing these things, and to the people who are wanting to benefit from this. And so he went ahead to say, what you thought was the problem, not washing of the hands was not eased. The issue is the heart. the heart. The pandemic is in the heart. And so as much as we want to find out what are some of the things this pandemic has pushed back, we also want to go into those conversations knowing 
that it's not always how it presents itself on the outside. It's our hearts, you know, when we do not want to honor our God in a season that is tough, we don't want to seek him, then we find an excuse as to why we cannot attend small groups or we cannot go for prayers because finally we have found something that we can hold on to. And Jesus calls this hypocrisy. And so in a season of a crisis, God wants to clean up the church, but he also wants us to stay aligned to the Jesus culture. So are there traditions or things that you find yourself doing, or you and your small group, or we as a church here in Nairobi Chapel, Lavington, or the church at large that we are doing, that in this season we need to say goodbye to and welcome uh, the main things that Jesus wants us to do so that the word of God can take root and there will never be a generation that will come after us. And they will be confused and they will not understand about our God because we understood our role and our position in the midst of a pandemic. And we became the Ezra's who called the people and said, I know you haven't been to church lately. Let me teach you the word of God. Because Ezra cared that if nobody talked about the word of God, they will continue to have generations that will bring the culture of the Babylonians and they would forget about the God that, that, the, that, that is Yahweh. They would forget Yahweh, their God. So we are living in a time that I can call make or break. The church needs to arise and do something and we must fight to keep the Jesus culture going no matter what's going on. Let's, let's go bring back our children to spaces where they can hear the word of God. Let us still prioritize the word of God. Let's not fear COVID-19 when we are coming to fellowship with our small groups, but we don't fear it when we go to the supermarkets and elsewhere. The Jesus culture will be maintained by those who will still allow the word of God to take root without killing a tradition that was good and that was working for a church. While at it, we will still ask, is there another tr new tradition that is emerging out of this that the church could change a few things to keep that going. But we know that nothing will ever replace fellowship. Nothing. Nothing online will ever replace fellowship, a hug, seeing somebody else's smile because we were created as relational beings. And so any tradition that kills that aspect of our lives, we must be on the watch. Amen? <laughs>